Secret Satan. A seasonal murder mystery in 24 episodes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 8 I am, on the whole, the sort of person who likes a place off-season. I like London in the rain, for instance, but then who doesn't? When the sky is the same dull grey as the buildings, but the pavements are radiant with the reflections of neon in puddles, all glittering and flashing with ripples and splashes. The percussion of rain on umbrellas, the crescendo cymbal hiss of traffic on wet asphalt, the dark, deserted back streets and the glowing pub windows stuffed full of life. In that case, of course, you could argue that it's what the city was built for. It's not as if England is famously dry. But it's places out of place that I really like. A seaside resort in winter. Shuttered souvenir shops and fairground rides under top. A wind-blown promenade and a vacant pier. Dramatic storm waves breaking over the bus shelter, inside which bedraggled seagulls huddle, wondering where all the chips went. Abandoned and purposeless, it has a disconsolate romanticism to it. Likewise with department stores. In theory, Christmas ought to be the best time for a department store. All that crazed commercialism and seasonal servility, all you could want, all the fake snow, glittering lights and piles of presents your heart could desire, all under one roof. It is, of course, instead, the absolutely worst time for a department store. Already narrow aisles narrowed further like sclerotic arteries, clogged with gaudy decorations, confusing new layouts that force you through kitchen utensils into an overstuffed toy department like mince being shoved into a sausage, great teetering heaps of discounted rubbish and unamusing party amusements. And the people. Everyone has been shopping for too long and spent too much money and has not yet bought enough for enough people. Every department is an aimless, shuffling mass of tired and angry people. There are fractious, hissed arguments in fine china, someone loudly fulfilling the implication of the department called men swear, and a child is having a screaming meltdown in soft furnishings. It is hell on earth, even if you're just there on your own, but it's even worse if you've gotten separated from the people you came with and are trying to find them in this roiling, seething mass of humanity, and much, much worse if those people are actively trying to hide from you. I would put it down to my skill as a detective that I eventually found Ned and Edie again, but it was, in fact, simply because it was lunchtime. It was lunchtime and I was hungry, so I went to the food hall, and because it was lunchtime and they were hungry, there were Ned and Edie. They were down one end of the ramen bar, trying to be inconspicuous, which is not an easy thing to do when you're perched on a stool trying to eat soup with chopsticks. But they were both bent low over their bowls, their heads together, deep in each other's company and their noodles. If there was one thing they were talking about, I suspected it definitely wasn't what to buy Edie's husband for Christmas. I decided... I would go to Pret on the way back to the office. It was December now, and I could allow myself a Christmas baguette. I was still thinking about them when I got to the office kitchen, Pret paper bag in hand. I was thinking specifically about Ned and his secret Satan present. He had got a very nice pen, a pen that I remember thinking at the time almost certainly contravened the spending limits on secret Satan spending. Exactly the kind of very nice pen that he had been fingering so longingly in Selfridge's stationery department. He had got, in fact, as a secret Satan present, exactly what he would have wanted, which is not only unlikely for a secret Santa present, but entirely goes against the spirit of the thing. The whole point of secret Santa 
is that it not only cuts the cost of buying presents for a whole office, it also helps escape the challenge of trying to buy a present for someone you only know at work. You only know their office persona, the way they take their tea, and what they call their Excel documents. You don't really know them well enough to buy them a good present. More importantly, the anonymity of Secret Santa is virtually permission to buy a terrible present instead, something insulting, something funny, an office in-joke, something that will get a laugh at the present opening party, a little pewter statuette of a demon Father Christmas, for instance. Getting an actually good, enjoyable present was a sure sign that whoever had bought it really, genuinely knew you and, more importantly, liked you. I went to make myself a cup of tea and discovered two interesting things. Two apparently frivolous, but nonetheless interesting things that then made me realise two big and possibly important things. The first thing that I discovered was that my mug wasn't there. The second was that tea, however, was. The mug thing seemed less important at the time, but was to turn out to be much more consequential, while the tea thing really stood out in the moment. The mug thing was simply that I had left it in the meeting room I had been in last thing last night. And the rule for mugs is that we were supposed to stack the office dishwasher ourselves. If we left our mugs out, the cleaning staff were to leave them right there to wipe around them. This was supposed to encourage us. What it encouraged us to do was to make a vaguely mutinous mess around the office. Now, what was interesting about this was that this was not unusual. I did this all the time. What it reminded me of, however, is that the morning of the Christmas party the previous week, I had come in to find my mug on my desk, not just casually left there from the previous night, but instead washed, dried, and put back clean on my desk, a thing that was not supposed to happen. I went and fetched my mug from the meeting room, washed it up, put the kettle on, and opened the tea cupboard again, and found tea there. This was unusual, because this was not the usual catering pack of questionable tea bags. This was a fancy little box of high-end Lapsang Souchong. More specifically, a Selfridges fancy little box of high-end Lapsang Souchong, the self-same tea that had been given to Lem Pointer as a secret Satan present. If the pen Ned got was an unlikely secret Santa gift, Lem's present was the epitome of one, absolutely thoughtless, entirely the wrong thing, bought entirely with no thought beyond that purchasing of something, anything, under the spending limit. A present bought by someone who had expended no consideration or conscious effort on the decision, but had just bought the first thing they'd seen in the first shop they'd thought of. Ned, who always shopped at Selfridges, and of whom Edie Letterby seemed unaccountably fond, had got exactly what he wanted and had bought someone else exactly what they didn't. I suspected that I could move a few cards down the columns on my Kanban board, two lines of investigation already on their way to being done. You have been listening to Secret Satan, a workplace mystery presentation in 24 slides, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Our music is Holiday Weasel by Kevin MacLeod from filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman, who you can find at jamielenman.com. Our Christmas stories are on Spotify, YouTube and Substack and you can find links to all of these on our website, christmasstories.co.uk or you can subscribe on your podcast app. Wherever you listen, please take time to rate and review and make sure you don't miss the next episode of Secret Satan. Secret Satan